0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. (laughs) Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're sitting here, it's the middle of January, and even though there are a few items that we're going to be able to discuss while we're on air, it really is starting to feel like the offseason here. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm accompanied by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I'm a little bit confused. I I saw on Twitter over the weekend that you were kind of surprised to, uh, to see that Tennessee was winning, and they ended up beating the Ravens, but... I told you in our last podcast you're going to do it, so I was really confused where your uh, surprise came from.
1: Um, I, we say a lot of things on this podcast, Will, and you know when they actually turned out, it's, it is surprising. Yeah, I didn't watch uh, the beginning of that game, but just checking on Twitter, seeing that the Ravens were down, and with you know MVP Lamar Jackson, it was surprising. For you. <laughs> <laughs> True, but yeah. I think many, it was surprising many people for a too. lot of people.
0: Yeah, my Super Bowl bet uh, for the Tennessee Titans is looking still pretty good. Unfortunately, I had another one, uh, Seahawks and Titans both making. Obviously, that one didn't come to fruition, but still liking Tennessee's chances this week. But uh, maybe we can pick some games here at the end of the show just for fun. But All right, so here's a rundown for those listening at home uh, of the show. That way you know exactly what to expect from Nick and I in this episode. Uh, We're going to first discuss the new hires of offensive coordinator Bill Lazor and new quarterbacks coach John Filippo. Then we're going to move on to the news that the Bears are moving training camp to Hollis Hall up in Lake Forest. And after all that, we're going to finally, and I at least personally going to say reluctantly, we're going to hand out our 2019 season awards here well, a few weeks after it's all said and done. But Nick, are you ready to get going? Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and kick off this show with the Bears' decision to hire Bill Lazor as their new offensive coordinator. Uh, This was a move that didn't really garner a lot of positive attention from Bears fans. I was seeing some negativity dispute all over social media after this news broke, which, I mean, I get why people may not be excited about this hire, Lazor has really done nothing special throughout his coaching career in the NFL. He's found some success with Ryan Tannehill back in 2014, which was Tannehill's best season up until this year in Tennessee. Uh, he also had some success with Nick Foles in Philadelphia during 2013. And also, laser Stint in Cincinnati really kept a lot to be desired, and he didn't really have a job a season ago. I guess one fun fact about him is that he must be smart. He did graduate from Cornell, um, but for those fans of The Office, so did Andy Bernard. So I don't know exactly how much you can even put stock into that. So, Nick, this is a move that I tried a few different ways to kind of
1: get myself excited about. Uh, fired up about, but I can't. Can you or no? Um, I wouldn't say like fans should be fired up about this. Uh, I guess hire from the Bears again. We really don't know what Bill Lasers responsibilities are going to be now that he is the offensive coordinator. He's not calling the plays. We know that's Matt Nagy, but I think where maybe fans could see. Lazer's contributions is going to be probably in the run game, probably him and Juan Castillo, probably being the run game coordinators or just trying to orient a, a run scheme that will work in Chicago. And why I say this is that he does have a big, a, a long history of running the RPOs. Um, and he did that with Cincinnati. And we know that's an area where Mitch Trubisky, you know, has struggled with just simple knowing whether to, you know, hand the ball off when the linebacker flows to a certain area of the field or whether to throw it behind when, when that vacated spot opens up, that's where I think you'll see the biggest contributions from bill Lazor. And obviously you mentioned a little bit of it. He has had a history of just being in the NFL getting that coaching experience. So you're bringing in another qualified mind. He may not have had like the best success, but now it's a new scenario. Everyone can get it you know, start at ground zero and start, start fresh basically. So, yeah, I don't think it's something that fans should really get overly excited about, but I can see why the Bears brought him in. Okay, so
0: you're looking at Castillo as more of the traditional running coach and then bringing in a guy like Laser who can you know, supplement some of the razzle-dazzle with the RPO. Is that kind of your—again, they're not telling us how this hierarchy is going to work, but that's just kind of your assumption based off of some of these hires?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Um, just just based off what the promotions were within, you know, the own Bears organization, and we'll talk about those, in, you know, probably a couple minutes here. But that's how I envision seeing, you know, Bill Lazor being implemented on this Bears team and Juan Castillo. With he's had s- such a long history of just working with offensive linemen, he probably knows what's going to work best, he has to get to know his guys. But I think that's how it will end up playing out in Chicago. Yeah, that makes
0: a lot of sense to me as well because. If laser was really more in charge of that traditional running game solo, I'd be a little worried. He hasn't had a lot of success when he's an offensive coordinator of having teams run the ball very well. I think he only had one season uh, with a team that had a rushing DVOA in the top ten, which was 2015 in Miami. Which I don't know if that was really him. In 2015, was that Kenyon Drake's year? Or is that am I a little too early ahead of my time? I don't. I don't keep up with Miami football, so I apologize.
1: Um, that I think it was a little May- too early, right? Now I'm blanking. Yeah, it feels feels a little early for 2015.
0: Okay. It doesn't matter to me. It really really does not. But still, the fact that he only had one and the rest of those were ranked uh, like 13th, 14th, and beyond, uh, he doesn't have a lot of proven success here. Uh, But obviously... Something must have clicked during that job interview. He was targeted for a reason. I mean, you can also say this is a contingency plan for the Bears, because I know they're looking to getting a Pat Shermer, and this was maybe plan B. We don't know. It could have been plan C. So for really all we know, they're not going to tell us, but they're going to at least try to make us excited about having a laser now in the offensive rooms uh, anything else you want to mention about bill laser that you found or any any other thoughts you have on him again it's so early we don't need to spend a lot of time on it we have some other coaching changes to talk about as well but just curious if you had anything further
1: no yeah i think the, the big thing he's just another coach to help out mitch trubisky but this quarterback's room is going to change in 2020 so it could be there to help trubisky or whoever else the bears bring in to play the quarterback position Now,
0: up next, we're going to talk about John DiFilippo. I saw here from Chief Ryback here in the comments that uh, this is a comment saying that he was fired by the Browns, for God's sake, so shaking his head. Wasn't Bill Belichick fired by the Browns, Nick?
1: So was Nick Saban, wasn't he? Weren't they both on that staff? (laughs)
0: See, everyone's been fired by the Browns at one point. That's just what happens in Cleveland, so I understand that point, but let's go ahead. Let's look elsewhere and let's get a little bit more positivity and excitement with this next hire, which again, John DiFilippo, he is the new Bears quarterbacks coach. Dave Ragone gets a promotion. We'll talk about Dave in just a little bit here, Nick. Uh, He's going to get a promotion to the passing game coordinator, so looking at Flip, uh, he didn't get that Bears head coaching gig two years ago, and since he spent one season in Minnesota as the offensive coordinator and also he was the OC for Jacksonville. Uh, He didn't have the most success as offense coordinator, obviously. That's why he's moving on to yet another gig, but he has done well as a quarterback's coach. He has plenty of experience at the job as well. He's held that title for the Jets, the Raiders, and the Eagles throughout his career. Uh, Matt Nagy, he's really reworked the quarterback room, which is very refreshing here, adding more minds to it. But Nick, what are some of your initial thoughts on the Bears hiring and bringing in Flip? I know he was on your short list, if I remember correctly, from one of your articles on our blog when we were going through the head coaching search, which was very brief. He was. Was he the top of your short list or very
1: damn near, right? No, I think who it was, it was Pat Shermer. I had number one, and I think John Filippo was actually. Third, and then I have Matt LaFleur as my second guy. But what John Filippo brings, and I think what's what's good about him, he's going back to the position that he was getting, where he had success, that quarterback's coach, right? This is where the Bears, they liked what they saw, what he did in Philadelphia. So they brought him in to possibly be the 16th head coach of the Chicago Bears. So this is a role for him that he's he almost had for the last 20 years, other than him being an offensive coordinator in this last two spots in Minnesota and Jacksonville, but John D Filippo, to me, just watching the videos, which probably every Bears fan has seen by now, he seems like a very relatable guy, someone that players can really relate with and just have a good connection with. He's the same exact age as Matt Nagy. I could see that connection really being one. That just kind of grows throughout the season, but those two being on par and just having being on the same page, obviously coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree as well, having that connection, knowing what to do in the offense, but he really helped Carson Wentz be that that guy in Philadelphia. Not to say that he's going to do the exact same thing with Mitch Trubisky, he's still got to have talent at the position, but I like what John D. Filippo uh you know brings. Obviously I liked him as a possible head coaching candidate. He and again, I don't know if you've seen the videos, Will, but he's big into Jordans, big into working out, loves his snapback hats, seems like a very just likable person. Not that that wins your football games, but it definitely helps to just get on their good side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even though like I said, he didn't have the most success in Minnesota and Jacksonville, but with quarterbacks, he tends to get the most out of them. Kirk Cousins, last season, he completed 70% of his passes, and he had 30 touchdowns in that 2018 season. Don't forget about this year in Jacksonville with the Minshew Mania. Minshew had 21 touchdowns, which is a lot of decent production out of the fifth-round rookie, so the fact that uh, Filippo was able to get that is very impressive. And again, the passing game was 16th last year in Jacksonville, but only 12 games uh, were started by a rookie quarterback that, yet again, was a middle draft pick, and he was able to still find a way to keep that passing attack more prolific than it was here in Chicago with a former second overall pick in Mitchell Trubisky. Um, he has experience with David Cartu, who I know has been on uh, maybe someone who may get released from the Raiders, and not saying the Bears will bring him in, but it's interesting to at least throw that name out there as well. And when you're looking at John you know Filippo here, and after he was uh, mutually parted ways with Jacksonville, Everyone in Philadelphia was hoping he'd come back. Like everyone's like, Oh, we can get him back and get him in the staff. That's gonna be great. They were drooling at the thought. And I know he had other offers out there, but he
1: chose Chicago. Do you have a do you think he chose Chicago for Matt Nagy? Um, so I mean that's that's a really good question, Will, but I think Matt Nagy is you know, just revered around the league as someone that you kinda wanna be a part of. And I know there's been this uh, perception of Matt Nagy being like a stubborn person because he doesn't want to give up play calling well I you know Matt Nagy should get a, definitely another shot at it for sure but I think yeah Matt Nagy was obviously a huge part of it um, I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast earlier today and John D. Filippo actually talked about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace um, about like the coaching how that interview went but he just had nothing but nice and kind words about Matt Nagy and the person that he is and just how the Bears organization was going to be run so yeah I think it played a huge part and to clarify earlier I said that he was a part of the Andy Reid coaching tree under Doug Peterson who comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. just so uh, to clarify my thoughts there but yeah there's probably a lot of things maybe he sees maybe maybe he sees that there's some hope in Mitchell Trubisky, not to say that there is, but I think he just wants to be around, again, a guy in Matt Nagy who had success in his first season. They run a similar type of offense. He's going back to the position that got him success in the NFL in the first place. So there's a lot of little factors that go into why John Filippo ultimately chose the Bears. Now let's look at all these as a whole, right? Going in back to Juan Castillo, to
0: Laser, and to Filippo. Do you think the Bears got better uh, in their offensive staff
1: compared to where they were last season? I would say so. I mean, it's hard to assess you know, right now in the offseason, but you're bringing guys that have done it in the NFL. You look last season, Mark Helfridge, was, he hasn't been in the NFL up until that point when Matt Nagy brought him in. He was a college guy from Oregon coming in, and he thought there would be success. But now you're bringing in coaches that have, you know, experience coaching, you know, on NFL teams. And they just have a lot of, like, look at John D. Filippo. I mean, he was a part of a Super Bowl roster. You're bringing in a guy like that, that I think helps your team. Again, you do have to have the right players in place. And ultimately the the one that they're missing could be the quarterback. And that could just screw up everything. So you bring in all these guys and it could be all for nothing. But I would say so, just bringing all these great minds in, you would hope that it would make your football team better.
0: Okay, I don't care. I'm gonna ask it. It's one of those I, it's one of those questions like in the last show, Nick, where maybe it's best served for say the franchise and perhaps even after the fact, but you start looking out here a little bit more and you talked about maybe the right quarterback's not in this roster. And then after, you know, the last couple of days, what you hear about Bill Lazer is he has experience with Andy Dalton. And there's a lot of, you know, murmuring that, oh, that would be a prime candidate for the Bears to bring in kind of like Tennessee did with Tannehill. Do you think Dalton could be
1: the Tannehill uh, for us? Um, It could be Andy Dalton. It could be if the Bears find a way to create some more cap space. It could be Nick Foles who's had uh, the connection with obviously John D. Filippo in Philadelphia. It could be, you know, it could be a bunch of different quarterbacks, but I do think that they go that route. There has to be somebody else that they're bringing in. Ryan Pace alluded to it in his end of the year press conference that Chase Daniel, Tyler Bray, they're not under contract anymore. This quarterback room is not just going to change with the coaching staff, the players on it as well. Mitch Trubisky will still be on the 2020 roster, no doubt. But I think it is a possibility that they bring in one of these veterans. Even like you mentioned, Derek Carr, who also has that connection to John Filippo. but it, it seems like it's heading that way. It really does. Well, do you like falls
0: then? Because he would have a connection to Filippo as well as laser because he's worked with both guys.
1: Yeah. So I think that's one that you connect the dots, right? It, it, it makes sense. It's just the price tag, how I, how that would even work out. And he's run. He ran. He knows how to run the RPO system. That one year, um, he took control, or he was the starting quarterback. I think he had twenty-seven touchdowns, two interceptions. He lit. He lit the league up, and obviously winning a Super Bowl. So, it could be an option. Look, Ryan Pace, if he's going to put all of his chips on Mitch Trubisky, he's nuts. I'm just going to say that right now because nothing that he has shown last season could you know solidify him making a huge move like that. He has to bring in competition because if he doesn't, he's going to be fired. <laughs> Straight up like that. I'm excited. I I'm ex- See this is when we get
0: going. I, these are the last four to five questions, weren't even close to my notes, but then we start talking, <laughs> we get our brains moving. Uh, this is good stuff. I like to get you a little bit more animated uh and when we talk about some players that really definitely uh did the job. But getting back to coaches real quick. Obviously, Dave Ragone, he got the promotion, and he was someone that a lot of Bears fans and myself were a little confused why maybe he didn't get the ax. And I called him, I think I called him a cockroach on the last show, if I'm remembering <laughs> correctly, because he was able to survive John Fox. He was able to survive the latest round of cuts here uh, that Matt Nagy kind of ensued. Uh, so he's still around, and he gets a promotion. So obviously he has something special that we really can't see from our vantage point outside of Halosaw, but any just general... Uh, opinion on Dave Ragone and getting that promotion to passing game coordinator, does that change anything in your mind? Or is that just a way to get uh, Filippo on board and then also keeping Ragone on staff that apparently they like?
1: Yeah, because I think when you look at, obviously Mitch and Matt Nagy have, you know, the strongest connection, but the second person in line would definitely be Mitch and Dave Ragone. And obviously he's been here uh, for a while now and he's been able to develop that relationship. But I just don't know how much, of a contribution like a passing game coordinator brings to the table. Because, the look, uh, Kevin Fishman in The Athletic, he made a really good point that the Chiefs have almost identical kind of system in place in their organization. They have, the Chiefs have Reed as obviously the head coach, uh, play caller, enemy, who's actually the play caller, is their offensive coordinator. You have Kafka as a quarterback's coach, and then they have an assistant quarterback's coach. So I'm thinking Matt Nagy just wanted to kind of do exactly what the Chiefs are doing because that's what he's comfortable with but I think with Dave Ragone I just don't know like how much feedback he or input he gives to where it's going to influence Matt Nagy to maybe change the scheme that he was initially going to run for a certain game plan we don't know that we'll never know that they're not going to release those details but it is interesting that he did get their promotion was What exactly will he be doing as a passing game coordinator?
0: Exactly, it's it's (laughs) another offense reference, but maybe it's like the assistant to the regional manager, and then he's just assisting Matt Nagy there, and he's just a Dwight Schrute here on the staff. I need to get off Netflix or quit watching The <laughs> Office because that's a couple too many for my liking in one Chicago Bears podcast. But, all right, let's move on from coaching staff changes again. Those are ones that, uh, what Vic Fangio said, it what that you know, it's the players that win the games, not the coaches anyhow. So let's move on from coaches, and let's talk about practice, and let's talk about training camp because the next bit of news that we need to hit on before we hand out our awards uh, training camp, which has been in Bourbonnet, Illinois, for the last 18 years. Uh, they're closing that memorable chapter, at least for my lifetime. I've been there for at least 15 of those seasons. They're going to be moving it over to Hollis Hall. and We don't know all of the details yet, but the Bears have said that they will still allow fans to attend, and the tickets will remain free, but they will be limited. So it would be really interesting because I doubt we're going to see those waves of 10,000-plus Bears fans coming to practice. See, Nick, you've been around the facility. You know. Like, there's just no way that's going to even be happening, uh, which is sad because I liked having you know as many Bears fans as possible around these practices. So I'm still kind of digesting the moves to training camp because the kid in me is a little upset just because of the nostalgia, right? I've been going there since I was like, t- what, twelve. 13 years old. And now it's the chapter of my life that's kind of ended. Uh, and then secondly, as a podcast host too, because we do some camp coverage and I love to provide that camp coverage. And now that it's moving inside their own facility, I can see them really p- taking that policing that they put upon us a couple seasons ago to another level. Um, but still that's, that's small. That's not really huge here. There's some bigger things to talk about. But, Nick, I'm curious your thoughts. I know this cuts down your commute from like two hours each way, two and a half hours each way to like 15 minutes as long as you get a ticket.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Um, initially when, when I heard the news, I'm like, wow, I will not have to wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning to get down to camp uh, in time. I, it's literally you know, down the road, 15 minutes, the same exact street that uh, Bears Fit's actually on. So the, the commute is better, but that's the thing, Will – Will we, even if I do live just 15 minutes away, will I get that ticket? Because they are going to be limited. House Hall, if you guys have ever been in that direction or in that area, it's a bunch of like industrial buildings, just businesses that are over there. And it's not very big. There's not a lot of parking space. I wonder if there's going to be stuff added on because there's no way you're fitting 10,000 people at practice. It's not happening. So there's definitely going to be a limit on the tickets first come first serve, I would assume, and that really does hinder who is able to experience training camp. I know they said they want they're still thinking of the fans trying to get them involved, but how much can they be involved in such a mm-hmm. confined area and you did mention like they're probably going to be a little bit more strict on you know bloggers and things like that, and I, I would assume they would be but Um, I don't, I don't think that's going to stop us from providing the coverage that we usually do. We find a way. Actually, um, the guy, the security guy who's at Bourbon A, he works out at Bears Fit all the time. So I see him constantly and I feel like he's just watching over. I sometimes wear the Chicago audible shirt when I'm in the gym. So I think he kind of knows, but he'll definitely be seeing us around when we're, we're down training camp for sure. I'm excited about the smaller commute when I'm
0: over up in year end, but yeah, I'm real curious. Like. Okay. You've been around the area, you know, like a high school gym, like that's like what, maybe 2000 people in a high school gym. Do you think we can
1: even fit that inside? Um. So they did add in another parking lot, maybe. And then there are two other fields that they did implement that they did put over there. Maybe I would okay. say that's probably roughly what you're going to be seeing there. So that's not even close to half of what you would get at Bourbon A on just a regular, you know, practice. Not like a family, like one of the special events they have at Bourbon A. Just right. a regular kind of practice, you would get eight thousand people there. They won't even get half of that.
0: That's good. this is gonna be a really interesting development to see how it goes. And I know uh based off a couple of our friends in the media that's been like you know talking to us at training camp over the years, there are teams like the New Orleans Saints who literally you cannot even have your phone out. Kind of like when we go to the combine you cannot have your phone out, and if you do, you're out of there. And I hope it doesn't come to that. I really do. If that ends up being the case, and they're making a couple of mistakes here, uh, but that's another topic for a different day. But uh, in terms of training camp, I know this kind of closes a chapter, like I said, uh, bear bene, which I can't even say that anymore. But just might be the last time I actually said it out loud, which is, upsetting but that's okay but do you have any favorite memories of bears training camp that you want to just at bourbon a that you want to kind of
1: relish in for the last time yeah i'm trying to think because i haven't been there as as long or i haven't been going as long as you have will but you know what i just thought about we talked about like we were going to start making it a tradition we're going to go to what is it the crab shack or wherever um we get that unlimited cra- i have the bib actually back there the crab cellar I, is that is that still gonna be? We still got, I would still love to go, but it's closer. Um, it is. Oh, that's right. It is a little bit closer, so we can still do that. But I think just at, at <laughs> uh, you know, I, I won't ever forget when uh, who was it? Luke Canellos kind of walked in on us when we were about to do our podcast. No, Jeff uh, just Joniak. A, Jeff Joniak. Sorry, and I'm like that. That was just again a cool. One, we were recording the podcast, you know, live from there. Jeff Joniak just walks by. That was pretty cool. But just I think this past this past camp, we were there so much, you know, whether it was raining or, you know, sun being down you and it was just the last year. So I'll I'll never I'll take I won't take that for granted because it was always a good time providing the coverage that obviously our fans love to listen to and hear about.
0: Absolutely. I mean, for me, I have a few, especially when I was younger, uh, like one Uh, I was with my mom and she was taking photos. And Devin Hester is his first year transitioning to wide receiver. And he just runs the go route. And Rex Grossman uh, being the guy, Rex Grossman, Jay Cutler, sorry, my apologies. Bombing that ball all the way deep, uh, outside the end zone. Devin catches it in the back, and you know how there's only that yellow rope that protects you. He just plows over my mom. And then he's like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And like he signed like a ball and he gave it to her and everything, just to like apologize. But she was like taking the photo and there's one just this helmet like right in the lens, like the <laughs> oh, last one man. before she fell back, which I uh, was pretty comical. Another one, she met my mom. She was always great, uh, great at camp as a kid. She met Robbie Gold, uh, talking to him underneath one of the uprights, and ended up calling me to make me jealous. And Robbie took the phone. It was like, kind of making fun of me not for being there. And by the time I got all the way around the field, he was already having to go out to the field to do some drills. I was like, well, damn it. Missed out on that one. <laughs> Um, and then maybe one of my favorite ones, probably the first time you, uh, you Brandon, and I were able to kind of go and come together, get in person, and do some coverage. I know we had a couple videos get on Bleacher Report, which was pretty cool as well. But, no, Bears fans in general, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, I think we're all going to miss Bourbonnais, Everyone's been able to make the trip down there because it was such a great time with a lot of Bears fans. And I know it's sad, but we have to accept it, and we need to figure out what's next. And I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, with having it in Howis Hall, and I've never been, so I'm excited to make that trip because I'm going to make sure I get in on a ticket, Nick.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're, we're. I'm sure we'll get on a couple tickets. Um, even though they will be a little bit more limited, obviously, we'll definitely make sure to get down there.
0: <laughs> we'll just stand outside. Can I have your ticket, please?
1: <laughs> yeah, I. I wouldn't be surprised if people like sell them on eBay because if they just can't make Don't it, give I mean, ideas like the devil uh, has bobbleheads
0: someone stole from us at the, at the game and are on like eBay for like a hundred bucks. Were they really? Yeah. Jeez, Yeah. I have no idea what happened to those bobbleheads, but still have mine right there. Thank you. You Got yours. You got yours. All right. So anything else on coaching hires or training camp, or are you ready to finally hand out some awards for the
1: 2019 season? You know, we've been putting it off for a while now. Well, we might as well get to these awards and get them out of the way. All right, let's go ahead and rip it off like a
0: Band-Aid. And welcome to the 2019 End of Season Awards. Uh, We have about 20 awards each that we're going to hand out here. So let's go ahead, not waste any time, and go ahead and get started. And the first one up, it's just like a post-game show, the Will's Monster Moment of the Year. And for my Monster Moment of the Year, Nick... I'm going to go with Eddie Pinero's game winner in Denver. That was probably the most elated that I was hopping on a post game show this season. You know, we just lost to Green Bay the week before. It was a gritty contest against Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos. And we were able to squeak by with a field goal. And we thought, hey, we got our kicker. We're going to have a great season because that was the only question mark that we had at that point of the year. Um, But for Eddie Pinero to hit that game winner in Denver, uh, I went through all my monster moments of the season uh, for every single game. And that's still the one that I still have the most vivid memory on. So I'm going to go ahead and give that one my monster moment of the year. Nick, I'm curious, what's going to be your Moriano minute of the season?
1: Yeah, so I could have definitely gone a very negative way with this, and that's mostly what my Moriano minutes were, just me ranting about what went wrong in a game. But there's going to be plenty of negativity throughout these awards, I'm pretty sure. So I, I'll go a different route. There was a bunch of – throughout this season, I thought this Bears locker room would implode, especially from the inside, just especially how the offense was playing and the defense carrying this team. But I will give credit – to Matt Nagy and the culture that he has established in Chicago because easily we could have seen a Jaguars-like scenario where players are kind of going against each other or what happened when Tressman was here where the team itself on the inside just didn't like each other. But that never happened. That never transpired throughout a what is a disappointing 8-8 eight and eight, uh, Chicago Bears season. Matt Nagy has established – a culture in Chicago that fans should be proud of because I thought the defense at some point was going to look at the offense and say, what the hell do something to at least get, you know, put us in position to win this game because the defense time and time again was doing that for them. But I will give credit to Matt Nagy and how he handled this, this Bears team, what he's created, and what is still currently here. That's the important part. So that's where I was going to go with my Moriano minute. I know we talked about this, what, two weeks ago? I didn't want to, like, reveal it, but that's what it is.
0: I like that a lot. You're right, because a team that had such high expectations both uh, from our vantage point and also internally in that locker room, for things to go as sour and as south as they did, that could have easily fractured Uh, any connection that that team had with one another, but it didn't. So that's a really good point that, you know, maybe that's uh, something to build on for 2020 where they kept that foundation, that trust, and they can use that as a launching pad to get back to success here in the upcoming year. Uh, But, Nick, right back to you for your
1: midway mulligan of the year. Yeah, I noticed I didn't even have this one filled out because I must have just missed it, but I know exactly what I would go back to and, you know, change if I could. It's really that Chargers game – the Eddie Pinero field goal. What was it? A 42 yarder or no, it, it may have been 42 yards. I'm thinking, uh, you know, the double doink, uh, but the, um, what the, again, we obviously learned from that moment that Matt Nagy didn't ask Eddie Pinero, his preference, where he wanted to kick. We learned that it was on the side that he didn't feel comfortable with, or he wanted to move it. I think in the middle that didn't happen. Obviously we know the end result. He missed bears lose that game. A very winnable game, one that they should have won, but yet a simple mistake. Just not asking your field goal kicker where it is that you want to kick from. And they had, I think, a timeout to adjust to kind of figure that out, but they didn't do it. They didn't do their due diligence, didn't do their job really in that specific moment. So that's the one I would go back and we can redo that all over again. Who knows what that does for the season, having a victory, another game-winning field goal. Who knows, but that's the moment I immediately thought of.
0: Am I allowed to chime in with one? Because I have another one. Yeah, absolutely. Mitch's shoulder injury. I think taking that back could have changed the entire course of the season because I know he came off a really strong game against the Redskins, and I'm not saying that you got to really prop that up. We knew what the Redskins were coming into that game. We knew what their defense was at the end of the season. It wasn't great, especially against the pass. But he had a really strong game against the Redskins, and he came out there, and the Bears were moving that ball against Minnesota. And then after that injury, I mean, Mitch had to wear the harness for the rest of the year. His confidence was shot. He got real rusty real quick and took him a while to get back into finding himself. And obviously, we already know he never completely did this season. But I still wonder, without that shoulder injury, which I know he had to be thinking about when he's out there playing because that arm was, it's loose. I mean, he takes one wrong hit and I think it's going to be popping out. I uh, I just curious what kind of year we would have had if he would have actually been able to remain healthy, not have that shoulder dislocate. I bet you we beat Oakland. I'll tell you that now. I can bet you we beat the Raiders. And then after that, who knows? October was terrible. We lost every game. Maybe we don't. Maybe going 2 and 2 and that could have been the difference of us squeaking in in this playoffs and not and here sitting here at an 8 and 8 season. So me, I think Mitch's shoulder injury is definitely one of the moment I wish I could take back. But You can't, and that's the beauty of the segment because we can at least wonder what if.
1: Yeah, that's a really
0: good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, stat of the year. I'm going to give it to the 17.5 points per game, which is down from 25 points per game in 2018. And you can look at a lot of numbers here went down, and I really debated which one is the most important. Uh, Turnovers on defense was pretty much cut in half 36 two years ago, 19 last year. Lack of sacks went from 50 in 2018 down to 32 in 2019. But I really think it's the offense's inability to score points that was the dagger this season. Yeah, obviously the Bears' defense in 2018 is what put that 25 points per game Up compared to what the offense obviously wasn't scoring that. But you can't count on the defense every year to be a third or a quarter, even a fifth of your total scoring output. It has to be on the offense. This offense is one that was supposed to grow, be more efficient, be more effective. They didn't get it done. And this Bears team as a whole, 17.5 points per game on average. They just could not find a way to score, which really the Bears defense did a great job of limiting points, But, you know, the offense just really did not uh, do their part. And we already know that that was the season that we had. But only being able to score 17.5 points per game is really probably to me the stat of the season. All right, moving on down, we're moving over to the offensive MVB. Of course, this award goes to the player that Nick and I thought was the best player on offense. I'm going to be very surprised if we go a different direction here. But, Nick, I will let you do the honors of
1: going first. You don't have Mitchell Trubisky as... No, I'm just kidding. Of course, we're both going to have Allen Robinson as our offensive MVB. He was the most consistent. He was the guy that you knew was going to show up each and every game. His seven touchdowns was the most on the team. Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel, had the second most with four, but three of those came in one game. Um, the next closest player in terms of yards was Anthony Miller with 656. Allen Robinson had 1,147. So... It, there's no really there's no other answer for this because he was the bears best player definitely was snubbed not going to the pro bowl because he i think is a pro bowl receiver he is look, no doubt a number one receiver would be on a lot of other teams he is a good player can win the jump ball runs precise routes is a leader in that wide receiver room there there's just no no other answer will and had the bears not had Allen Robinson god knows how many points would be that, that 17, maybe looking like a 15, a 14. It, it wouldn't look good. But Allen Robinson was a Bears offense, and the Bears really needed him to even do anything remotely positive on that side of the football.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been down to like a 13. Just a quick math off oh, the top of my head. Because yeah. he had seven touchdowns this year, so 42 points because of six divided by 16, something like that. But regardless, I'm not doing math here on this Impressive. Spot. But Allen Robinson, he is like you said, he was the offense this year. You mentioned it, uh, the 1147 for scrimmage yards. That was the most of any bear. He had more than David Montgomery. He had more than any other Chicago bear when it came to scrimmage yards. His touchdowns were tied for the most on this team was seven. He was targeted 50 times more than any other bear. And he also had the highest catch percentage of any wide receiver that had at least 20 targets. He averaged about 11.6 yards every time he touched the ball, which is a first down if you're keeping track at home. And he did have 63 first downs gained this year, which is more than any player on this team as well. Uh, Six red zone touchdowns led the team. Uh, His 19 red zone targets were more than double any other Chicago Bear. Obviously, he was the go-to guy down there. And you mentioned those scrimmage yards. That was 23% of all of the Bears' offensive production went through number 12. So I don't know how many ways I can explain uh, on top of what you did, just how valuable he was to this Bears offense. But he was. Like, I said, he was one quarter of this
1: offense by himself. And not to and mention he, how great of a guy he is, too. But, I mean, one absolutely. quarter. Absolutely, And he needs, I think, what needs to happen. The next move that you're probably going to see from the Bears, if it's not a coaching change, probably a co- or contract extension. Because Allen Robinson's going to be due, or it's going to be coming down to the end of his contract. I would expect the Bears are smart. And they want to have an offense where at least a defense has to worry about somebody, you give a contract extension to Allen Robinson. Because again, you, you don't want to see what this offense will look like without him. And it's just it's it should be something that the Bears are really thinking about. Absolutely.
0: All right, moving on. Let's flip it. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Let's hand out our defensive MVB, the award that goes out to, of course, the most valuable player on defense.
1: What are you thinking? This was a tough one. This was a tough one, and I think out of all the questions, I put the most time in thinking who was most deserving. And I hope we have different players here. But the guy that I ended up coming to the conclusion was a defensive MVP was Kyle Fuller. Gosh,
0: me too. Get out of here. What? Yeah, so out of here's all the, players. the thing. All right, go for Well, it.
1: here's the thing. I, making the argument for Kyle Fuller being the most valuable bear, similar to Allen Robinson, he, I think, was the most consistent. Yes, he did not have the season that he did in 2018 where he was an all-pro, had, what, I think six interceptions, 22 22 or 21 passes defended, but he played in 99.72% of the defensive snaps, played in 100% of the snaps in all but three games, which was against Oakland, Dallas, and Minnesota, the last game against uh, Minnesota, and then he still recorded three interceptions, 12 passes defended, 82 combined tackles. So the teams were targeting him a little bit more. I think 70, around 70 were solo tackles. So, again, he was making a lot of tackles. But consistency is a big thing. And being a- available is a big thing. And that's what Kyle Fuller was. He didn't have, like I said, he didn't have that 2018 season. But at least he showed up to games. How many times do we say, where is Khalil Mack? We said that far too often this season, so that's why he was my second choice, but I had to give it to Kyle Fuller here. Yeah, me
0: too. I literally yeah. have the number one bullet underneath Kyle Fuller for me in my notes is consistency. Like, done. Like like you said, he was out there for pretty much every snap this season. His numbers were a little down in terms of the passes, defense, and also the interceptions, but they're so hard to match the numbers that he had a year ago, and he didn't have the pass rush to help him out like he did too, so that really hurt. But I never felt like Kyle Fuller was out of position all too often. He's always around the football. He's always making tackles. And it was always in tight coverage. Like every ball that was con- – okay, not every. We know that's a hyperbole. But most passes that were thrown his way were contested. Or he's within a couple feet. Uh, of that ball carrier, and he's making the tackle. No one really running for a big play on Kyle Fuller's side. You can't say the same for Prince of Mokumara, Buster Screen, none of them. Kyle Fuller was one of the most consistent players on this defense, and he was out there, and honestly, he was something that we didn't have to talk too much about, which is a good thing for a corner. And that's why, for me, Kyle Fuller, MVB, And the other note I have here is another reason why I gave it to him was the pay cut after the fact that he took to restructure his contract a little bit. To A, potentially stay in Chicago a little bit longer, and B, to help out his uh, his I was gonna say man, but okay, fine, his man in Eddie Jackson uh, to get that contract extension as well, which is a really you know a team first move on Kyle's part. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on down, we have the Sid Luckman Award. Unless the Bears have subpoenaed me, and I'm not allowed to use Sid Luckman's name, but this, of course, goes to the best quarterback on the team. I really thought about putting Chase Daniel. I really, <laughs> really, really did, especially for his game against Minnesota. Coincidentally enough, is with the one game I was hoping he didn't have to play in, giving my you know the moment I wanted to take back with the mall again. But I'm going to give it to Mitch, obviously. Uh, he was the one where I felt like the offense had the most potential when he was on the field, uh, even though maybe Chase Daniel played more in the system. I always thought that maybe something more could happen with Mitch. Didn't happen, but I always thought he could. He has the potential to do that, um, but he didn't conduct three game-winning drives this year. And when Chase had an opportunity to have a game-winning drive in Oakland, uh, he fell short. He threw a pick. So for me, I'll go ahead and give it, to Mitch, but obviously this is one that unfortunately is a little bit closer than I thought it would. And Nick, I don't know if I can read your eyes right, but are you going with Chase Daniel?
1: I am not. I'm just going with Mitch <laughs> by default. Um, I didn't default. have... I, yeah, th- that's that's the only reason. Obviously, we know about the huge disappointment that Mitch Trubisky had this year. Uh, year three, you expected better things year two in Matt Nagy's system, but it didn't play out that way. There are a couple of factors, obviously... Seeing the offensive line, the, the play calling, but it comes down to Mitch just not making plays, reading the defense correctly, and you know delivering and executing on when receivers are open. So I know I'm like this is an award, but I'm bashing him right now. So by default, Mitch will get this, but it yeah, it's like a participation trophy if anything.
0: Yeah, I, honestly, this is a award where when I, you're looking at our. T- planning for this podcast, I was hoping we'd just take it out. Because we started it, it was like, you know, you had Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler, Matt Barkley. So we, okay, we had options to discuss. And ideally, it would have been a no-brainer. We could just move on and not even have this award, but I had to at least give us an opportunity here to potentially see if number four was gonna squeak on in. Um, But the Academy voted against him, so another (laughs) year for Mitch, but Nick, you said it. It's by default, which is Homer Simpson's second favorite way of Winning is default, but that's besides the point. (laughs) Let's move on to the Olin Krutz Award, which, of course, goes to who we thought was the best offensive lineman. Not a lot of consistency, so have fun picking out who's your most consistent one, Nick. But uh, who would you give your Olin Krutz Award to?
1: You know, kind of similar to the Sid Luckman Award by default. I think it goes to Cody Whitehair being the most okay. – I mean, well, it's well, like – yeah. yeah, this one I think is easy as well because everybody around him struggled. They had to move James Daniels from center to guard because of the struggle – you know, the struggles that James Daniels was going through. And for Cody Whitehair to not only make that transition again but still play – you know, at a high level, that shows who he is as a player, that he's capable of, one, being able to, again, read the defense, know what's coming, decipher that, let the two guards next to him know. That says a lot about Cody Whitehair and the professional that he is. But he, And he looked throughout, you know, that offensive line. He was the most consistent. So I by default, really, because all the other players were just bad around him, he wins the Olin Krutz Award. Cool.
0: I'll read my notes verbatim, and we'll move forward. It's one <laughs> sentence. Thought he was more consistent than the others, comma, and took his game up a level when going back to center, period. Done. Default, pretty much what you said. I don't need to rehash it, but congratulations, Cody. Take the Olin Kruitz Award mm-hmm. and run with it. But, yeah, uh, definitely the most deserving of the bunch. Moving on, we have the most improved award. Gosh, we're probably going to do the same thing here, so I'm going to begin. Uh, Nick Kokowski? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Obviously, this is one that neither you or I saw coming preseason. Uh, When he was thrust into playing time, you saw that his tackling was improved. He played with some real urgency and passion and fire. He had those timely blitzes. He had really good pressures and sacks that changed the courses of games. Don't forget that clutch interception against Detroit that helped seal that one, too, and you know, be damned, his coverage skills also look vastly improved, too. So, Nick Wachowski, congratulations for being our most improved Chicago Bear
1: of the year.
0: Anything else you want to add on Nick Wachowski, Nick,
1: uh, for this you know, award? It, yeah, so for for this, where I think, you know, Nick Wachowski's always been a good tackler, and that's something that we've praised, uh, you know, about him in the past. But I think where you saw his game just take the next level is, one – being able to get people in the right position now that he was the the, the man receiving the calls and uh, being that inside linebacker position. And then two, his coverage ability. It really has gotten better since he got was drafted in 2016 to where he's at now at the end of the 2019 season. And that was obviously what was holding Nick Kwiatkowski back. He's not perfect at it by, by all means, but he has shown that he's made progress and getting better at, you know, the one thing that was holding him back. So uh, great for Nick Kwiatkowski. Maybe that earns him to be the guy here in Chicago with what the, what's going to happen with Danny Trevathan, or he's going to get a, a big contract somewhere else. So the way he played, you know, it, it really works out for his career and moving forward. Excellent stuff there, Nick. Now moving
0: on to the letdown player of the year. So literally you can name any Chicago Bear, and I'm going (laughs) to agree with you. So who do you got?
1: Well, I I think it would be wrong if I didn't put Mitchell Trubisky at this this, uh, award here. There was so much expectation, and I know, again, you probably have the same thing. But year three, he was supposed to take the next step. It was really on Mitch. If this team was going to make the Super Bowl like a lot of people were expecting to, you know, really make this hundredth season just worth it, it was on him to elevate his game. He did the exact opposite, and people are gonna say, yes, the offensive line wasn't good. Matt Nagy wasn't a good play caller. Yes, that's in part true, but Trubisky was also just bad. Um so I had a stat for for the award earlier in the show, Will, but you uh never got to me. I didn't say that I had one in fairness, but I'll read the stat here because it works. So, according to teamrankings.com, Mitchell Trubisky ranked dead last in the NFL among thirty-two quarterbacks with his six point one yards per pass thrown. So you look at this, how does this again affect the team with him having being last, dead last? This shows a lot, which shows that Nagy. Doesn't have confidence in Trubisky, not airing it out as much. It shows the Trubisky's comfortability in Matt Nagy's offense and the lack of deep shots and the ability to hit them, basically. So it's not a good stat because, one, you're not stretching the field. You see with 17 points a game, the Bears, they scored, had to sustain long drives, and which is tough to do. So lack of explosive plays all comes back to your quarterback. and by far, I think, was the biggest letdown player of the year. If he has... If Mitch Trubisky were to have his 2018 season in 2019, the Bears probably would have made the playoffs. I I mean, I actually, I don't doubt that. I know the Bears would have made the playoffs because he was just better at making decisions, hitting those open receivers, and just being a better quarterback. But he wasn't even half of that, and that's why the Bears are in the situation that they are. That's why we're talking about possible quarterbacks coming in because of what happened in 2019
0: yeah that's a really strong one I mean he was on my short list Uh, I have two names and you took one I'll take the other uh, which I guess he wins by default then but Trey Burton 14 catches 84 yards that's all we got from (laughs) Trey Burton this season uh, after, of course, him missing the wild card game, uh, the weird iffy status off and on throughout off season. Oh, he'll be ready for camp, and then camp comes, and well, he's not hundred percent yet, but he'll be ready for the season. Season comes, he's not ready. He doesn't really ever get out there, and get healthy to a degree that the Beards needed him to be, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, for this offense, because I think they severely missed him, because when he was out there a season before, he was productive, and he was someone that Mitch couldn't lean on, and Mitch didn't get that. Uh, I think so. Trey Burton, I mean, hell, you can throw Adam Shaheen in here too. The tight ends in general were a big letdown uh, compared to what we thought they could have in terms of production, but uh, Trey Burton, uh, for his second season in Chicago, it couldn't have gotten much worse uh, for someone who actually was participating in some games, albeit on a limited participation level, and then of course uh, heading on to IR as well but definitely not the year neither of us were envisioning for trey burton moving on let's go to the most underrated player of the year let's get a little positive here who do you think was the most underrated player on this team
1: and i can't wait to give you mine i hope it's not buster screen because that's who i'm going with all right awesome we have uh differing opinions here uh with buster screen he was filling a huge spot that was left when Bryce Callahan went to Denver and, you know, the Bears made the right decision there. Bryce Callahan never got healthy with that foot injury that he sustained and was dealing through the entire 2019 season. But we didn't talk about Buster Screen a lot. And that's that's what you want out of a nickel corner. He did struggle in that second game against Green Bay. But outside of that, he was a guy that, again, much like what we talked about with the the positive things we talked about in this, uh, you know, this award show consistency. You can count on Buster Screen. You really could. And like I said, Bryce Callahan played so well that we thought that was going to be a huge loss for this defense. But Buster Screen, his physical play, when he was asked to blitz the quarterback, he did a pretty darn good job with it. I know at the beginning of the year, people were thinking Duke Shelley's going to take, take over at the starting nickel position. Just watch. Never happened. That's what I predicted would happen. But I really liked Buster Screen, how he was able to just fit in that position. Being around a better defense, I think, helped out Screen because a big thing with him, the pass the past interference calls. That's what he was known for with the Jets. Didn't have a lot of those this season. So Buster Screen, definitely an underrated player, but a good one on the Bears defense.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good one, but mine's great. So get ready for this one. My most underrated Chicago Bear of 2019 is a running back. You have a guess.
1: To running back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, David Montgomery? It's not Tariq Cohen.
0: No, keep going.
1: Uh, Cordell Patterson kind of plays running back sometimes. He kind
0: of did. you really – see, this is how underrated this guy is. Keep going.
1: I, who else played running
0: back? Ryan Dahl played running back. He did. You're still wrong. You got one more. It's the last one. This is how un- underrated he is. That bad. That underrated. Come on.
1: Chris White was on this team for a little he bit. He was. But You're I... missing one name. Who that? Who? Come on somebody in the chat. Say the name already. <laughs> right that I have no idea. Mike Davis. Oh jeez. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I forgot you know about why that guy. he's
0: underrated because we were able to cut him and they got that fourth round comp pick. <laughs> That's that was really good value. No one's ever going to remember Mike Davis the Chicago Bear, but we may remember whoever that fourth round pick ends up being. So you know, that's, at this that's team, an area
1: where Ryan Pace has actually hit on the fourth round. So maybe. See? I thought this was a good one. That was an outside the box answer. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And no one in the chat. Thank you
0: guys. Like, you know, <laughs> no one's spoiling it up. for you. But seriously <laughs> though, like no one's ever gonna remember Mike Davis of Chicago Bear ever. Like, give it a year. And no you couldn't even remember he was on this team. Like he was that abysmal, but such to a degree where we cut them and we're going to get a fourth-round pick out of the deal. Thanks, Adrian Amos, uh, for that one as well. But uh, I'm really excited to see if that fourth-rounder can turn into something. I'm going to mark that down and remember it as like the Mike Davis pick because that could end up not changing the alter or the, you know, the direction of the franchise, but you can get a really good player in the fourth round. We've seen it happen. <coughs> Eddie Jackson. Well, that's even later. But, no, fourth round, I'm right. But yep. anyway... Yeah, you never know. So that's what I'm kind of looking for here for the most underrated player. Thank you, Mike Davis, for being so bad. We had to cut you the first week of November. All right, moving on to the most overrated player. And guess what, Nick? Mine's a running back.
1: Oh, so is mine, but it's. we're going with Tariq Cohen here, aren't we? We are
0: going with Tariq Cohen here because, hey, he didn't have a rushing touchdown. He only averaged 3.3 yards per carry this year, which is his worst in his entire career. He averaged 13 yards rushing per game. So is he a running back? That's a question I have here in my notes. But uh, he had the most catches in his career at 79, but he only averaged 5.8 yards per catch, which was his worst ever in the NFL. And when you look at the numbers across the board, everything was worse than his rookie season. And I know he has special skills. I know he does. But I'm unsure if Tariq Cohen can read blocks, make the right cuts, stay in bounds, run forward on punts, not fair catch inside the 10, inside the five. You get it. But that's you know Tariq Cohen. Mm, I think he's I think he's starting to hit that overrated kind of mark. I mean, a couple seasons ago, I would have laughed thinking that this could end up being a possibility. But I think there's just too much hype surrounding Tariq Cohen.
1: Yeah, and I think when whenever the Bears play on like a national game, right when they're they're in the spotlight, you'll hear the broadcaster like the the Bears have the explosive Tariq Cohen. You got to watch out for him on every single play. Well. Not really, because, again, you, you highlighted what he was, what he really wasn't able to do in 2019. He wasn't a part of the big explosive plays. The Bears didn't have much of those as a team. But with Tariq Cohen, it just, why is he running, taking this certain direction to get out of bounds? Like, he's looking to go out of bounds most of the time. I know. He's small. I saw him at Bears fit. He's, he's shorter than I am, and I'm not tall. We always talk about that. But it just seems like... The Bears look. Matt Nagy really wants this team to kind of look and feel like the Chiefs and wants to make him his Tyree Kill. He's not that player. He's not. And when a good I mean, going with that, is he a running back? Is he a receiver? He has more receptions, but that's not the position he plays. He's like, he's that tweener guy. You just don't know. You're trying to give him the ball, but he doesn't know what to do with it or how to get the most out of a given play. So yeah, I would definitely go with Tariq Cohen as being just the most overrated guy because I feel like every broadcast, you have to get the ball to Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen can make great things happen when he gets the ball in his hands. He just hasn't shown that consistently. I remember someone used to say that a lot in twenty eighteen on post game shows. Is that me? That was you.
0: That different year, was me. different season. It's okay. <laughs> what I think's happened with Tariq Cohen is I think the NFL's caught up to his physical skills. They know what he to expect out of him, but it's his football IQ and his awareness that's really holding him back from taking his game to another level. It's just this boneheaded mistakes his inability to read if he catches a screen pass he can't read the blocks in front of him he's outrunning his blocks he's going the wrong direction towards the sideline when he's supposed to cut inside we can go on and on but I'm not going to do it today to Tariq Cohen but he is to me and to you the most overrated Chicago Bear as of today moving forward the next award on our list is the toughest dude award and if you don't have Akeem Hicks Nick you're off the show
1: Mm, yeah, I have Akeem Hicks. <laughs> I figured. I, do. I mean, I mean Green look Bay at game. The
0: Green Bay Exactly. That's all okay. it is. That's all I have to say. The Green Bay game. It's the flu game of Michael Jordan. We'll I'll call it the elbow
1: game from Akeem Hicks. <laughs> that's all we need to say. Yeah, I mean, he – you just saw the defense. They kind of rallied around when he came. They rallied when they saw that Akeem Hicks was in – the starting lineup, he was getting – he was the one getting to Aaron Rodgers despite coming off that elbow injury, and you see him in just pain. He's wincing. He's coming back in though. That's just who Akeem Hicks is, and the Bears are a far better defense when he's in the lineup, but him just even being able to battle through that injury that he sustained uh, when they played the Raiders in London, come back for the game against the Green Bay Packers and play the way he did, it says a lot about Akeem Hicks's character, the way he plays the game, just who he is as a person.
0: That's all, that's all you have to say. I mean, that's really it. That game embodied Akeem Hicks to a T, and I think he's been the toughest dude for at least one of us on this show every season since we started doing it. Um, but, yeah, that game is just the epitome of toughness, and you don't see that in today's NFL all too often. You knew that elbow was probably not even at 60%. I mean, it barely can even hold up, but he still went out there and he wanted it because he loves the game and he loves playing with his team and he loves being out there and playing for the Chicago bears defense. And yeah, you got to give it to him here. All right. Uh, coming up, we got the duh. I said the duh, which is horrendous of <laughs> me, but duh, underrated coach of the year. I guess I shouldn't use duh too much considering our history. However, uh, are you going with someone with the first name of Mark? Does he coach the inside linebackers, by any chance? He, he does. He, I knew we were going to be two in sync, and we should have probably <laughs> f- shared notes to divide it up. But it's okay. Obviously, Mark Delone is the most underrated coach of the year.
1: Yeah, and it's because of what he had to deal with throughout the year. Right. You have uh, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith both go down. Um, and with three games left in the season, it's Nick Krakowski, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis as the starters. And it always seemed like those two guys were always prepared. The Bears' defense didn't really miss a beat with those two guys as the inside linebackers. And, again, credit to coaching, credit to Mark Deloine, however you want to pronounce his last name. He did a fantastic job, first season with the Bears. He worked with Matt Nagy in Kansas City from 2013 to 2017. So we wanted to bring him over. Great move because you saw how these back. And, of course, when the Stars were in, what those inside linebackers meant to that Bears defense.
0: Yep. Only when Roquan uh, was going through his, um, we'll call it episode. (laughs) We'll we'll keep it there. Um, But, yeah. uh, What he was able to get out of, uh, I know, a Nick Kwiatkowski and a Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Who? I mean, who would have saw... I mean, we talk about Nick Kulkowski being, you know, the surprise player of the year or the most improved. Sorry. However, we have the surprise player of the year coming up. I may have tipped my hand. However, uh, KPL, Kevin Pierre-Lewis is someone who is very much uh, on that same level because he was playing some elite football down the stretch. And he was someone who's fourth on this roster. You know what? That's more than talent. That's good coaching and good preparation and really just knowing how to get the most out of your guys because after Danny Trevathan went out and Nikolkowski kind of took over, it was, he changed that role a little bit. And then Roquan Smith goes out and then the roles of both inside linebackers changed again drastically. They're blitzing. They're coming in there. They knew how to get the most out of those guys and it really worked really well. So yeah, definitely going to give it to uh, middle inside linebackers to Mark Delone, Deloine, which sounds a little risque, Nick, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I just tried my best as well. But moving on, we have the Single Erlakis Award. Uh, So if you combine uh, the three biggest hitters in Chicago Bear history, you have the Single Erlakis. So who's going to be your 2019 recipient of the Single Erlakis Award?
1: Got to go with Nick Kukowski. I think when you look throughout this season who was just delivering the, the finishing blow, that big hit, that one where you can go back and talk about once the season's over. Oh, remember when so-and-so, it was Nick Krakowski. And yes. the one that I, yeah, it's a, when I go back to this season and the hit that I remember is against the Minnesota Vikings the first time they played, and Nick Krakowski absolutely destroyed Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook didn't know what the hell hit him It was Nick Krakowski just right up the middle. He ends up, I think, fumbling or he ends up stripping the ball from Kirk Cousins. That was just a huge play that you can single out in a bad season because that's how good it was. But consistently, Nick Krakowski has always been that big hitter. And now he's just kind of elevated his game a little bit. But I think he's definitely deserving of the award. Yeah, me too. I
0: really do. He was on my list as well. So I don't need to uh, go through it again. So Nick Krakowski, he is stealing the show right now honestly which is not a surprise on my end uh, maybe to some listeners but if you would have told me in August that it would have been a Nick Kwiatkowski show here I would have been laughing in your face but here we are (laughs) all right here's a a default award for you Nick Uh, we have the baby bear award which of course goes to the rookie of the year on this team I think we got one to talk about really who had much of an impact right And David Montgomery is that it
1: yeah, because you look at this rookie class from the Bears, the other guys didn't contribute really. Riley really barely got playing time, and it took you know an, a couple of injuries to finally get him on the field, and he still wasn't getting playing time. Uh, Duke Shelley, the only thing he did was, I think, you know almost – he didn't do anything. Let's be completely honest. He was uh, out there on kickoff a couple times, out there on special teams. But David Montgomery, uh, who – Again, he did the most with what he was dealt with with that offensive line and their lack of production in the running uh, portion. And he still was able to gain yards. And I think he's going to be a really good running back for the Bears. I really do. Um, What what happened his rookie year is not representative of what he's going to do the years come because he is a good running back. He can make people miss. They need to get him more involved in the passing game as well because I think he is capable of that. But yeah, again another award kind of given to by default because nobody else really showed up this season.
0: Default. <laughs> but, all right. We have a few more here, and then we're going to close out the show. We have the Richard Dent Award next, which of course goes to the best pass rusher on the team. I talked about the man stealing the show. It's going to me, Nick Wachowski. Uh He tied. He had three sacks this year, which doesn't sound overly impressive, but think about it. He's playing inside linebacker. He didn't play the entire season, um, but he still found himself tied with Leonard Floyd uh, with those three sacks. Uh, he had more sacks than Roquan Smith. He had more sacks than Aaron Lynch. He had more sacks than Akeem Hicks. He had more sacks than Andy Goldman. He had more sacks than Bilal Nichols. And also Danny Trevathan. I mentioned it earlier. uh, Not just the three sacks, but they were very timely sacks. It changed the courses of the games. I think, honestly, uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis may have been my runner-up here, too, as well, in terms of pass rushers. But I'm going to give it uh, officially to Nick Kwiatkowski. How about
1: you, Nick? You know who he didn't have more sacks than? Khalil Mack. And I put Khalil Mack ellipses, I guess. And, look. (laughs) With with Mac, I think, uh, obviously, he, he has a lot of attention on him. And it doesn't help when the opposite guy on the other side, Leonard Floyd, isn't doing anything else. And the guy in the middle, Akeem Hicks, wasn't there for most of the season. But he did have eight and a half sacks, which was the most on the team. And according to PFF Chicago Bears, opposing offenses use extra blockers to chip Khalil Mack, Fifty-eight times in 2019, the third most of any edge rusher in the NFL, and he did finish at 12.7 percent win rate on pass rushes against two or more blockers, and that was just outside the top 20. Look, you expect more from Cleo Mack, no doubt about it, but just in terms of you know what he was able to do when he had the right opportunities, I guess he, I would say he's the best pass rusher and. And like I said, I put I guess afterwards because really when you look at this team, there wasn't any consistent pass rush from anybody, and that needs to be fixed next season. The Bears don't have a pass rush. You see what it does to this defense with the takeaways, the sacks, just the overall dominance. They were still a good unit, but they need more to come from their front seven. So I'll give this. I'll still give this award. Even though it was a down season for Mac, I'll still give it to him.
0: All right. Moving on to the surprise player of the year. And what I love about this award It's up to interpretation. You can have a negative surprise player of the year. You can have, of course, a positive surprise player of the year. You can be surprised in multiple ways, Nick. But uh, over to you. Who's going to be your surprise player of the year?
1: You know, I didn't even think about it like that. I thought surprise player in a a positive way. And I'll give it to my guy, Nick Williams. I mean, second on the team with sacks with six um, when Akeem Hicks went down. He stepped up initially. He was that guy that was trying to create some pass rush, filling the running lanes. Uh, Bilal, Bilal Nichols didn't have much of an impact this season. Goldman did, you know, somewhat decent. But it was it was um, Nick Williams that was constantly showing up on the stat sheet. And just to show up on a defense that was missing some guys, that was huge. Um, and I think When you look at this defense, they rank number four in in scoring defense. I think you can attribute some of that just to Nick Williams and being able to, you know, pressure quarterbacks to get the ball out a little bit quicker, to not allow Dalvin Cook and some of these good running backs that they face to get those rushing lanes. But I did expect Nick Williams to be a factor in this Bears defense, more so an alternate guy that's in the rotation. But he's surprised. He, He turned some heads this season for sure. And it would be nice to get that con- you know, consistently now. Maybe not six sacks, but someone that you can put into the game and feel comfortable with.
0: You know what? I'm going to change mine on the fly, which is really fun. Because you went positive. And I was like, I want to be different, and I want to make mine negative. Why not? this uh, be uh, devil's advocate, as Brandon uh, would say here on the show. <laughs> I'm going to go with a defensive tackle. I'm going to go with Bilal Nichols. He surprised me for uh, the lead, like in a bad way. Uh, he had more than—he uh, doubled his game started. He had six as a rookie, up to 12. Uh, and he appeared in one less game overall. I know he was hurt, and that's why I'm taking some of these four granted uh, or with a grain of salt. But even though he still started double the amount of games that he started as a rookie, but his tackles went down from 28 to 27. His tackles for loss went down from 5 down to 1. His quarterback hits went down from 7 to 2. And, of course, he went from three sacks as a rookie to a big old goose egg on the stat sheet in terms of getting after quarterbacks and taking them down this year. Bilal Nichols is someone who we thought was ascending, a very g- a guy who's going to be able to take a big next step, and we thought he can anchor that spot um, opposite of Akeem Hicks all season long. Like We thought, you know, you don't need Roy Robertson Harrison and John Bullard when you have yourself a Bilal Nichols. And that wasn't the case. Like you said just two minutes ago, it was Nick Williams who ended up being that— Best defensive tackle for the Bears outside, not nose tackle, but the the defensive edge. Three-fours were weird. They're technically in a (laughs) tackle position. But, yeah, Blount Nichols, uh, someone who I thought would have a much better season than he ended up having. Uh, And, yeah, uh, he could have been a letdown player of the year, but I think we had higher expectations for Mitch, which is why he was able to get that amazing award here towards the top of the program. But moving on sir nick we have three more to get to and the third to last one is going to be the golden boot award that's right robbie gold g-o-u-l-d-n-d-e-n boot award aka get out of town so if there's one player in this team that you just want to give them the boot and say get out of here we don't need you in 2020 we'll be better off without you etc etc Who
1: would you give that to uh, so looking at this, I, I had two candidates here, but I'll, I'll go with my one guy. I think Adam Shaheen is just a guy that you look at this team, they're probably going to be better without him because you don't know if he's even going to be available in the first place. He hasn't shown that he can consistently be on the field. He is tech, He's still under contract, but the Bears are going to bring in competition. No doubt about that. Whether it is through the draft or free agency, there will be some other tight ends on this team and Adam Shaheen is really going to have to prove to this coaching staff to Ryan Pace that he is worthy of being on this roster and I just don't see it playing out. He he does great at the training camp well. We've seen it sometimes where he's able to dominate, make these incredible catches, but once it gets to the regular season, you don't hear from Adam Shaheen ever again. It looks obviously it's going to go down as a bust for Ryan Pace in that second round, but this is a guy who You just look at what he he hasn't been capable of doing in the NFL, staying healthy and producing. That's deserving of the Golden Boot Award. I like it a lot. Adam Shaheen, a.k.a. the future
0: Chipotle franchise (laughs) manager at a location coming near you, potentially. Uh, We'll see how that kind of goes out for him in his career. But for me, I think I'm going to go with Prince Mookamara. It's interesting. I know we don't have a lot to... Uh, right now, like Kevin Tolliver, he could very well be the guy behind him to kind of step up in his place. We talked about that in the podcast as well. I just think for what you're paying, Prince, he should be able to get a lot more in return. And I think you can find someone either in the draft or free agency or in-house right here with Kevin Tolliver who can fit the mold. And there shouldn't be much, if any, of a drop-off. So for me, this is more of a value perspective. I love who Prince is off the field. He's a great guy. But... Uh, I think when you're looking at the secondary this year, he was definitely the weakness of it. And so if I'm looking at the bears organization and, uh, something that you always wanted to work on is taking your weakness and turning it into a strength. So for me, uh, one big weakness would be Prince of Mukamara in that cornerback position. So it's time to find a way to bolster that one. So for me, going to give that one, the golden boot, sorry, Prince. All right. Uh, let's go negative and then we'll finish the show positive. What was going to be your low light of the season, Nick? Like, where were you at your rock bottom? There's a, This was a season where I felt like uh, we were there a lot. But I'm curious to where you kind of reflect and where you think it is, because I think I know
1: where we both were at rock bottom. I think when I really look at this 2019 season, go back to the month of October. That whole entire month was a low light. For this Bears season, I, they go zero three. Start and they start that with a twenty-four to twenty-one loss in Oakland, just an absolute dud in London. Then the embarrassing, embarrassing home loss to the New Orleans Saints, thirty-six to twenty-five, and then it was a forty-one-yard missed field goal by Eddie Pinheiro against the Chargers. And I remember that was the game where I let loose in our post-game show about Mitchell Trubisky being not, you know, being a bust, not being the future. That is where I see rock bottom, the low lie of the season, the entire month, really, because you win one of those games, you win the, the Chargers game. You don't know what that does to you when the next game they would play. They play Philadelphia, so they weren't going to win that one either. But <laughs> you have another win under your belt. You never know. But I definitely go back to October being just a terrible month to be a Bears fan.
0: Yeah, October was dreadful. I think the lowest, though, is right after the Eagles lost, right? You see Jordan Howard do some good things in that game. And, you know, you just let him go this off season. And David Montgomery is having a slow start to his rookie year. The Beards really can't run the ball. Then you watch Jordan Howard run all over us. And we end up losing that one, which is the fourth straight loss. And I remember going into the next week, it was, what, Detroit right after that? I don't have the schedule up in front yeah. of me. But, I'm like okay, it's Detroit, but, like, the energy in our shows were down. It was just like, we don't want to, like, how do we explain yet again why the Bears should win or can win when they haven't shown us any reason to? So it made our jobs a little bit more difficult as well. But, yeah, that October, and I think for me it was that loss to the Eagles, which is like the cherry on that cake of, yeah, this that's this is like, it can't get much worse than this. And I'm glad they kind of went on a mini-roll afterwards to kind of get us bounced back in the right direction. But that was a very tough six-week stretch when you talk about the beginning of October throughout the bye week, and then, of course, losing to the Eagles. So, yeah, those six weeks, it was uh, tough sledding. So, definitely, the, a low light of the season is just going to be that entire month and a half, uh, which is sad that it had to be such a large one, but that's kind of the case that we're in. And last but not least, let's end our awards with our best moment of the year, which I guess is almost a rip off of the monster moment of the year, but I let you to have a choice of what your favorite moment this year was. I do have my backup for this one, which
1: wasn't my monster moment of the year, but what was your favorite moment of the year? I think it was just, look, I wasn't happy with the result by any means, but being able to go to that, that chief Sunday night game, you will Ingles, Jonathan, like that was a, that was a great time. It really was. And, You know, it shows that, you know, despite the result, we could still have a good time being at Soldier Field, just, again, experiencing the game and just being able to take Jonathan there, which I I remember him saying that he hadn't been to Soldier Field in a very long time and just to experience it uh, with him that was awesome i forgot what the bar that we went to before that was i uh, the name is escaping me the food was great though the atmosphere fixing your light up sweater like that whole entire situation again (laughs) it was all great and just you know a positive positive in what was a disappointing season so that's what i come back to as being something that i really enjoyed and anytime you know we can get together well it's always a good time um as usual but yeah that's definitely the moment that I look back on where it's like yeah 8-8 season I still go back that and do that over again because again it was great
0: that was a great night that was a great time in general and that's all that means a lot that you would say that considering that night got you sick and you still have not gotten over that (laughs) cough
1: yeah it's still here but hope I got the right medicine now it's only a matter of time I hope
0: you hope yeah, hope. Uh, For me, real quickly, if you're looking at uh, on the football field, best moment of the year for me, probably Mitch's 23-yard scramble touchdown uh, against the Dallas Cowboys in that fourth quarter which kind of put the final nail in the coffin for that game because, hey, the season was still alive at that point. We needed a big play. Mitch delivered uh, with his legs. So for me, that was probably my favorite moment of the year because it felt like Dallas is starting to creep back in and you know how this Bears team and this season has gone. I was like, Okay, we're going to find a way to lose it, but Mitch decided to put it, uh, call his own number and get that thing done. So, for me, that was one of my favorite moments watching this Bears offense and team really all season long. But, yeah, Nick, you're right. The Actually being in person and having the whole spectacle for a night, and it wasn't even that cold, that was a really good time. No, yeah, it really was. All right, and that's it. That's the 2019 end-of-season awards. Not too bad. I don't know why we pushed it off so much. It's actually kind of fun uh, venting about last season as well. But to close the show, Nick, I just need two team names. Who's going to win the AFC and the NFC Championship?
1: Uh, NFC is obviously going to be the San Francisco 49ers because even if I wanted the Packers, you know, if I thought they were going to win. No, no, sorry. If I thought they were going to win, I wouldn't (laughs) pick them. And then I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Tennessee has had a nice run. They really have. They've knocked off Brady, knocked off the MVP in Lamar Jackson, but I think it ends here facing Patrick Mahomes. So you'll see a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl.
0: You're halfway right. It's going to be a Titans 49ers Super Bowl. And Tennessee's running the table here. It's a lot of fun. No, like I said last time, I really like Tennessee right now. They're playing really good defense. They could run that ball, Derrick Henry, and they're just a physical team. De- they're everything I wish the Bears could be, honestly. I think that's what it is, right? Like just a good enough quarterback to get the job done. They don't make many mistakes, and they just take care of business. So I kind of relate to this as a Bears fan. But uh, I think that's how it all shake out. We can uh, definitely uh, reconvene in a week to see who's right and who's wrong. But uh, we'll find out. All right, so that's a wrap, like I said, for the awards and, of course, for some of our talks here early. And I think officially, Nick, you have one other point you want to bring up, and I'm sure just, you're like, going to promote your trip, aren't you?
1: Uh, that and also oh, – so, God. yes, um, I will be in Mobile, Alabama, Tuesday and Wednesday for the Senior Bowl. Um, If anybody has any prospects that they're kind of looking at for me to just keep an eye on, maybe put in a comment or just you know post on uh, Twitter on our page. But also – I'm going to be doing a lot more writing as of right now. And I just kind of want to know what you guys want to see in terms of content. So if you guys can maybe comment on here, we'll probably post something on our Twitter page. But yeah, what do you guys want to see in terms of content? I'm going to be doing a lot more writing and I want to you know, produce something that caters to our audience. So those are just the last two things I wanted to say before we end the show. But yeah, take it away, Will. Take it away. All right. So, yeah, uh,
0: obviously, if anything breaking and huge comes, Nick and I will kind of reach those airwaves a little bit sooner. If not, I'm assuming we'll be back next week as we need to start beginning our State of the Franchise episodes. We need to break down this team in all three phases, uh, find out uh, what we need to do moving forward. And that's the point of the State of Franchise, find out where we sit currently and start to begin planning to make this team uh, capable of a deep run next season. Uh, so until next time, Enjoy championship weekend. And of course, bear down, Chicago.